the same evening, the emperor in a carriage surrounded by the whole population and attended by his suite proceeded to the shore where the pinnace of the sow received him and his suite and immediately made sail towards the roads of the Isle of X. On the way, however, the emperor gave counter orders. Instead of going to the Isle of X, he ordered to steer for the frigate, on board of which he arrived at eight o'clock on the evening. On the 8th of July, on the morning of the 9th, Napoleon rose at break of day. His intention was to go to the Isle of X, and the boats of the Sal were placed at his disposal, and received himself and his suite as they advanced towards the landing place, where nothing was at first to be seen but the sentinels, the whole became covered with officers, soldiers, and people. The emperor had scarcely landed when cries of to the army of the Loire resounded from all sides. Thus, at the very extremity of France, on this small spot of earth, separated from the mainland, the cries were the same as at the Elysee Bourbon and Malmaison. On his return to the frigate, the emperor found the maritime prefect on board, who communicated to him the letters of the date of the 6th of July, mentioned above. During the day of the 10th, the Bellerophon came to anchor in the Basque Roads. The emperor passed the day on board the frigate. A friend who had been dispatched to reconnoiter the coasts returned during the morning and confirmed the impossibility of being able to leave the roads of X and gain the sea in the night between the 10th Eleventh, the Duke of Rivigo and countless causes were sent to the commander of the English squadron to ask if he had received any instruction relative to the departure of the Emperor for America, or if, not having such, he should think himself authorized to allow the frigates or any other French or neutral ships with the Emperor on board and bound for the United States to pass free. The English captain declared that nothing contained in his instructions differed from the ordinary rules of a state of war, and that consequently he would attack the frigates or any other vessel under the French flag which should attempt to leave the roadstead as to a ship under a neutral flag. He would cause her to be visited and searched according to the usual law of blockade. But nevertheless, considering the great and exceptional nature of the communication made to him, he would instantly go and refer the subject to the admiral in command, who was cruising off La Rochelle. He had first received the Duke of Rivigo in countless causes with the greatest respect. I insisted strongly upon their taking lunch with him and the commanders of the two sloops under sail at the entrance to the harbor. Countless causes had been for some years in England as an emigre and was acquainted with English. 
He therefore understood during lunch some conversation which Captain Maitland supposed was only understood by his officers, and this circumstance derived some importance from the position of the captain, who was a near relation and intimate friend of Lord Lauderdale. The circumstance was also afterwards made a matter of bitter reproach against his causes. The English accused him of having violated his honor because, as they affirmed, he had positively declared that he was unacquainted with their language when the question was put to him at the commencement of the conference. This, however, is not correct. The question was put collectively, and the Duke of Rivigo alone answered in the negative.